0: Good evening,
1: everybody.
0: Good evening. No pop quizzes tonight? Amen. All right, so uh, as we get started tonight, um, I want us to look at, I think I've got lesson seven uh, in our notes, uh, where we started last week looking at uh, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. We covered Ecclesiastes last week, which leaves us Song of Solomon. Again, thank you, Cody. Um, So with that said, then go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Song of Solomon. This time, we've talked about, uh, sometimes the author is not clear. This time, the author is clear. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 1 says the author is Solomon. The title says, Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs. Historically, it's also uh, worthwhile to note that in the last century or so, uh, archaeologists have found several... Uh, examples of what would be called love poetry would be the the kind of the genre that we would see that Song of Solomon is. Um, we've seen that in in uh, Egypt and other places that are around around Israel. Some people use that as a as an as an instance to uh, downplay the legitimacy of Song of Solomon and scripture. well, they're just whoever was just copying from from other people around them. Actually, I and I I see and I. I I think there are many scholars that that are saying this, that this actually strengthens the legitimacy of Psalm of Solomon as part of the canon of Scripture. Uh, How how amazing is it that God uses a genre that is well-established, as shown by archaeological evidence from the time, Uh, a genre that would have been well-understood, that would have been uh, well-documented in the ancient Near East, to continue his revelation of himself, Uh, and and his teaching of what is good, right, and true uh, of himself, for his people, for his good purposes. And to that I say, amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So, um, but the book does have some important redemptive historical context. So if you're looking there uh, in your notes, um, we're looking at redemptive historical context. There is a bit of uh, a reenactment and an inversion of Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 going on in this book. We talked a little bit about how, um, how Psalm Solomon functions in the midst of the Old Testament wisdom literature. Uh, how in, in a way it's, it's almost like a commentary on Genesis 2. Um, <clears throat> and What I mean by this is that there's this beautiful relationship in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve. And that relationship was intended for God's glory and for their good. Now, this side of the fall, men and women are still to behave ethically towards each other. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. Even though this world is twisted and marred by sin, the calling to treat each other ethically and to treat each other lovingly is still there. And if they do, it will again attend to the glory of God and to their own good, to our own good. But if they don't, they will experience more of the same consequences that Adam and Eve did in Genesis 3. God will not be glorified, or rather God will be glorified in judgment rather than in grace. And men and women will harm themselves in the process. So in this way, the book really is meant to be understood as an inversion of of part of the fall into sin. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Keep your, keep your thumb there at at, uh, at Song of Solomon. We'll come back to that. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. It says, To the woman he said, this is the Lord, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Um, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Genesis 3.16 so when Adam and Eve fell into sin there was a number of consequences one of them was that now their marriage relationship would be strained no longer would it be harmonious and agreeable instead the woman and really when it says your desire will be for your husband uh, that word desire literally means desire to overthrow desire to subvert okay, desire uh, to, to overtake so there's a desire on the woman's part to control the man. There's a desire then also in the man to abuse his authority and to dominate his wife. You see this, this, this doom loop, this terrible cycle right, of sin? All right. So the, uh, with the introduction of sin, to have and to hold then was turned into to desire and to dominate. Selfishness on both sides will raise its head and will steer both of them. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be so. Okay? Uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10. It says, I, I belong to my lover and his desire is for me. Now, marriage has it, as it ought to be is Genesis 2 revived. Right? It doesn't mean that somehow we can suspend all the sin and the thing that still lurks in our hearts and these kinds of things. Uh, But again, there should be a picture here of what that garden relationship looked like. The woman is not seeking to control and in turn not being exploited by the man. But the man is filling his creation role of loving leadership and desiring and loving his wife. And beyond the immediate context of marriage, there's something else going on. Uh, This book is about marriage, pure and simple. But what is marriage? Ephesians 5 tells us that, uh, Paul tells us that this was created, marriage was created as a a picture of Christ's love for his church. Similarly, Old Testament prophets used marriage constantly as an image of God's relationship with his covenant people, Israel. Like Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon was placed in, Uh, with the post-exilic literature in the Hebrew Bible. We talked a little bit about this last week, that the order in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, that Jews carry around with them to this day is in a little bit different order, right? And so um, all post-exilic books would be together there. And so um, with that being said, um, at least these editors, and again, that order is not inspired, right? So it doesn't mean... uh, the, the books themselves are inspired, yes. But the order that they're in is not inspired. And so, But it, it is helpful. It is It does show us some things. Um, so, like Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon was placed in the post-exilic literature of the Hebrew Bible. So at least those editors had a clear intent for this. That even in the midst of judgment, and judgment in the exile, and even post-exile, is what, what Israel is facing. In the midst of judgment... God was providing, really, a graphic but passionate and profound reminder of his love and faithfulness for his people. Think about Isaiah chapter 62, verse 5. i We're just going to read the, the, the back half of the verse. It says, And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. How beautiful is that? This picture, or this book, is at the same time a commentary And what it looks like for a man and a woman to be naked and yet not ashamed, right? Just like in Genesis 2. Um, And a celebration of God's love for us. So theme. Let's talk about theme. So the theme of Song of Solomon, we could say, is like this. The Song of Solomon sings of the son of David, the ideal king of Israel. The seed of the woman, the seed of the eighth, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Judah, the seed of David, who enjoys uninhibited, unashamed intimacy with his beloved in the garden that belongs to him. That's the theme of this book. All right, so being created then in God's image involved being created male and female. We see that in Genesis chapter one, verse 27. Don't have time to go there, but again, we remember he, uh, in the image of God, he created them, he created him, male and female, he created them. All right, so both, both genders uh, are in some way displaying this picture of God. The two sexes were image, both image forth God's glory through this harmonious and pure sexual relationship. Then you have the entrance of sin, and this begins to fall apart. Now, after the fall, even with sinful desires, men and women are again called to monogamy and sexual purity. This book extols the beauty and worth of living in such a relationship. And warns us not to create our own sexual agenda. Okay? So, um, we see then the revelation of the true nature of human love. And it's displayed then throughout this book in a number of different themes. I've got a list of of those for you there in your notes. We don't have time to go through all those right now. But again, that's for your further reading. Um, Let's skip down now to the structure of the book. The structure of the book. It's split into roughly three sections. All right, um, we have a courtship, we have uh, a wedding ceremony, and then we have a marriage. It's Pretty clean cut, right? So uh, let's look first then at chapter one, verse one through chapter three, verse five at the courtship. All right. So uh, look with me at chapter two, verse seven. Chapter two, verse seven. There in Song of Solomon. By the way, I, I want as you're turning there, I want to address something. You'll notice sometimes that it's called Song of Solomon because it's attributed to Solomon. But there's also this idea of Song of Songs. The idea there, that phrase, that, that structure in, in Hebrew, it means that really it's the best of something, right? So we have, like, Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and so this song then is being portrayed to us as the Song of Songs, the best song, the most beautiful song, okay? So, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7. Somebody read that for me.
1: I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the
2: gazelles or by the does of the field. Do not stir up nor awaken love until it
0: pleases. Okay. Awesome. So, the the context of these verses is that the young woman and the young man are not married yet. And the young woman expresses her desire to remain chaste until the right time. I.e., until marriage. Right? Right? And here she calls other women to this same resolve, to join her in this resolve. So she's saying, don't rush into what you think love is and what you think loving acts are until the time is right. Then in marriage, then the sex will be beautiful. It'll be honoring to God and it will be healthy for your relationship. Prior to that, it will only reap disaster. So uh, these words are repeated again in chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, this verse is actually the last words before the wedding, in which is in chapter three, verse six. So right up until the very end of singlehood, chastity is extolled; it's urged upon us all. How cool is that? How beautiful, right? Did you think that this would? I, I before I got, got kind of uh, started studying this to even be, to be able to teach it for Catalyst. I wasn't even aware of some of these things. So I've been been experiencing this right up with you. So so let's look at the second section now. Chapter 3, verse 6, through chapter 5, verse 1. This is the wedding. The wedding. Then we come to the wedding itself and the rest of chapter 3. And it's this beautiful and, yes, even graphic description of sex and sexuality in chapter 4. Leading up to a final comment in chapter 5, verse 1. All right, so chapter 5, verse 1, I'm going to go ahead and read that. It says, Eat, O friends, drink, yes, drink deeply, O beloved ones. All right, so many who have studied this think that this is the very voice of God. God is now putting His blessing upon this couple's sexual relationship. Now that they are married, God is not only saying that sex is okay, but it's actually right and good and should be enjoyed to its fullest. And it's, it's not just a, a, a dirty little necessity for the production of children, but it's a good and beautiful and God-honoring act between a married man and woman. So then when we see it this way, we understand uh, what God intends here, then sex, just like marriage, was created by God for his glory and for the good of his creatures. And this book celebrates that fact. And, and can I just say that Prenza, we, we as, as, as the church, not necessarily just Greg Gables, but as the church, have done a, a pretty bad job of, of talking about sex the way that the Bible does. Now, discretion is needed, right? There is a certain way to talk about this. There is a certain time and place. But we need to be able to extol sex and a sexual relationship between a husband and wife as the beautiful god honoring thing that the scriptures portray it to be because friends just like I mean just as we know that we have we all have friends or neighbors or family members that and and in our children if if we're not talking to them about this topic which really has become more of a dividing line this day and age than any other before it. If we're not talking about this in the culture, somebody will, and they are. So does that mean that we have to get out there and we have to just word vomit all over everybody about this? No. Again, we need wisdom, discernment on how to do this rightly in a way that honors the lord but again i think just like in so many other cases we're so afraid of getting out on a limb that we don't even climb the tree so this is something we need to be prayerfully seeking out and praying primarily primarily as a church family praying for our children and our teenagers and our young adults that are single and praying for their parents And if you're a parent in this room, you need to know that your church family loves you and has your back. And if you need help and advice about how to do this, we don't want to replace you in this job. Not for a second, but we want to support you and put you in touch with the training or books and things like that. Resources that you need to be able to do this well. So if that's you and that you're struggling with this, or uh, then please, please come and talk to myself or Pastor Cody. We would love to help you with this. Okay? Praise the Lord. All right, so again, we get to... Um, let's see. Where was I? That was a little bit of a rabbit trail there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Number three. So just like we were talking about uh, before, there is, there is a... Um, What's the word? There's a, a courtship, there's a wedding, and now there is a marriage, right? There's a marriage. So for the rest of the book, we see the couple's married life. Chapter eight, verse four. This refrain again is heard. Somebody read for me, chapter eight, verse four.
3: I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases.
0: Wait, wait a minute. That that sounds really familiar, right? Wasn't that in chapter two, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's the same message again and again. All right, so the married woman continues to to mentor to adjure to to call young women to be wise and to wait for marriage to have sex and not to make a mess of things because they couldn't wait. So this book really is a, a wonderful guide to to a relationship and sex in in marriage. But it also is this beautiful description of God's love for us. So which one is it, right? Is it about about God and Israel? Is it about Jesus and the church? Is it about a man and his wife? Yes! You don't have to choose, right? Because we have the fullness of the whole picture here. We can see clearly that yes, it is all of these, right? The church being the eschatological Israel, as we are in the last age last days so all these things fold in on each other um all right so um, this passion which can only be described then uh by this passion in marriage this is the perfect marriage between christ and his church and it is the love that god has for you and for our conclusion i wanted to include this quote from g campbell morgan um, in his commentary about song of solomon that says this The songs should be treated first as simple and yet sublime human affection. When they are thus understood reverently, the thoughts may be lifted into the higher value of setting forth the joys of the communion between the spirit of man and the spirit of God and ultimately between Christ and the church. Isn't that beautiful? So um, I want to just quickly as we get to the end here, I want to just, just skip uh, to the end here and look at Ephesians chapter five and just read. There's a, it's a long passage, uh, but it, I think it's, it, it bears reading right now. So Ephesians chapter five, verses 17 through 33 it says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all all the things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in fear of the Lord verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the for for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of, of the body, therefore just as the church is subject to Christ So let wives uh, be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Then quoting now from uh, Genesis 2. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband and as Linus would say that's what the Song of Solomon is all about Charlie Brown um, any questions about Song of Solomon before we, we change gears and then interestingly enough talk about the Southern Baptist Convention it's, it's kind of weird that it, it plays out that way
3: I got one. yeah man Use the use the term. Uh, I think it was you're referring to Ecclesiastes, but it was Ecclesiastical. I
0: don't really know exactly how you said it. Oh, eschatological. Yeah. That yeah.
3: It something to do with Okay,
0: so that comes from the word eschaton, which means uh, last last things. So the the church would be the eschatological Israel. Uh, the way that I would explain it would be uh, that the the nation of Israel. Um, it's kind of like scaffolding, that you build up scaffolding around uh, where, where a building is going to be built. And so then um, the, uh, the scaffolding is, is necessary because it gives structure to the workers as they're building the building. So um, the idea of, of Old Testament Israel is that as, um, as God is bringing about his purposes and bringing forth the Christ, bringing forth the Messiah, he's, he's using, he's using uh, Old Testament Israel to do so. The difference between kind of a, an earthly metaphor like scaffolding and, and the actual kingdom of Israel is that um, when in, with scaffolding, when the project is done, the scaffolding's broken down and it's taken away. But in this case, all of Israel was always invited to be a part of the finished product. And this is why you see that the, there is, uh, that there are Old Testament believers as well as New Testament believers that are a part of the church. Uh, so that would be the idea that that the church is israel there's not like two separate peoples of god but there's one and we see that fulfilled in christ in the new covenant so that's the idea and so uh, as the new testament would say we are in the last days right hebrews 1 uh talks about that in these last days he has revealed himself through his son does that make sense yeah Okay. okay awesome any other questions great question that was awesome Yes, sir. That was a great way to explain the guy, it. The guy in the orange there in the back. Um, I know. That, but,
3: uh, we'll probably talk about this in the office tomorrow. But, oh, okay. but don't you think that we have this kind of defeatist attitude now when it comes to um, sex the way God created it within the confines of marriage? And how how the culture is completely so rejected that that we don't even fight for that anymore? Like yeah. I, I just keep hearing this particularly in these abortion debates, I I, I fail to hear even Christians talk about the importance of abstinence as if it's even an option. Yeah. You know, and I feel like we we need to fight for this as much as we fight for anything else. And I feel like the reason we often don't is because either we we've committed it in the past and have failed to really give that to the Lord right. and, and be healed and forgiven of it, or we we feel like we it, it's There's no hope in even saying it because they're just going to do it. Absolutely. Um, And I feel like that's part of the the battle is getting back the idea that sex is good, that God created it. It was his idea. It was to be enjoyed. Just like everything that sin touches, what what sin has done with sex, has made something that God
0: created good, taboo, bad, and wrong right so i mean the idea of oh, the, the desire for sexual fulfillment is not a bad desire it's right. created it's created by god it's but what sin does is it takes right desires and then wrongly directs them to directs them to something other than what god has created and what god has granted and so um and I, man what a great point too like that's uh for those that have that have already that have already sinned in this way there is that there is that that feeling i'm damaged goods like there's there's no hope for me now Those kind of things. god forgives god gives grace he he makes us new in him and so there is there is that and we need to be championing that as well because uh i think that's those things are off, often in the eyes of of the culture are seen as part and parcel as well that if you're going to hold the line on abstinence there's no grace for anybody that right. that, that sins in that right. way and i think the scriptures are very clear that that I mean, Paul talks about like I mean all these things that that uh, I can't remember was it was it the church in Corinth of like all these things that that used to that, and that are that are not um, that cannot be a part of the kingdom of God. And he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, right? So there is this. I mean, God's grace is sufficient, and we just don't either. We just don't talk about it. we don't believe that it's sufficient for ourselves and therefore we don't hand it out freely to everyone Uh, but again it has to be according to the gospel so there is this uh just like it says in john 1 14 that uh, jesus christ came being full of grace and truth and we keep getting pulled as if we can only do one or the other right And, and so jesus calls us to pursue both and that's impossible apart from christ because nothing is impossible with Him. so uh, that's that's excellent too thank you I, I kept thinking i need that needs to come back around and i forgot so thank you i appreciate that any other questions
2: well no but i'm just going to say that there are so many venues now for people to get married they don't have to have the church for that anymore that's true and i think there's a big gap um, we used to, we would have people calling this church that weren't even members wanting right. to use our facility. Right, that doesn't happen anymore. I don't think. I don't know how many people call our office wanting to get married here, but I guarantee it's rare compared yep. to what it was at one time.
3: Well, I will tell you, we we do, but I require a nine week session of premarital counseling that often.
2: There you go, and they don't want
3: here. And, to hear and it. I and I don't marry people who are unequally yoked or cohabiting. Yep. And, and that is. It, you will rarely really find down. an engaged couple that's not... But, but many active.
2: pastors don't take that stand, Pastor Cody, and therefore people have found other venues right, to, right, to right. conduct their ceremonies, even though they're cohabitating or...
3: Right. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. I, I do encu- encourage a time of... Uh, I don't just say, you're cohabitating, I won't do this, but right. I do, if they're professed Christians, encourage a time of, of separation and abstinence before the marriage. Um, yeah. And I don't feel a lot of for that. But... Absolutely. Yeah. And I, think, I think part of that, too, is that... Uh, the church especially in america has really retreated from this issue
0: and so in the but also keeping a pretty strong message about abstinence uh, but with no grace to that as well and so uh, the culture picks up on that and offers other ways to do this right. much easily much more easily yes. so um so i think there's also a call on there for us to be i think as, as bono would say to be living it out 24 7 right to be to be uh, in engaging our, our family, our, our friends, our children in the, in these conversations, uh, and not and not in a way of like here, let me let me preach at you for a little while, but just again like we talked about in our gospel and the, our series on how to share the gospel, just like seeding strands of the gospel, threads of the gospel into, into daily conversation, and uh, it's amazing. Like the the doors for conversation that open up just because they hear you consistently talking about the gospel. So, um, absolutely. Okay. Let's go ahead. All right. Faith. Um, I read something
1: one time in this book, Doctor James Dobson. It was called "Bringing Up Boys," Mm -hmm. and I've never forgotten it. And we told our boys this, and you know, it's just one point of conversation, I guess. You know, and. It said something about, you know,
3: premarital sex was like stealing something from, you know, stealing something from another man because, you know, somebody else is going to be somebody else's wife one day. Right. And you're stealing something that belongs to another man.
0: Right. I mean, I've, I was counseled and I've, I've counseled young men as well that until, until you put a ring on her finger, there's a chance that she's going to be another man's wife. And so part of your job, even in courtship, is to protect her, and even if that means protecting her from yourself. Right. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am? Are these um,
1: subjects things that are talked about in youth group or like BBS for the
3: older kids or Mm -hmm. things like that? Mm -hmm. I would say minimal. Not minimal? Like at a, at a at a simplistic idea because the age ranges are so vastly different right now. Yeah. With sixth, sixth grade, uh, yeah. uh, And a sixth grader is going to deal with it at a much different level than a senior. However, I think I think our our heart is to is to equip parents to, to be able to have those conversations um, and to come alongside them if, if needed. And I know Corey's would probably be with us as well to, to help and assist and just encourage in any way we, we can. That is. So I think right now, it, it, because of the just the, the state of the amount of people we have and the vast age ranges, and even, you know, we have third grade and fifth grade, and it's so sad how, like, fourth graders and fifth graders are being introduced to things that, you know, we weren't introduced to up until at least middle school, you know, just because of the way things were going. Um, and so it's heartbreaking. There needs to be. But I think our, our best... Um, resource are you guys and we want to, we want to come behind the parents to, to, to help in any way to facilitate those conversations, even if it needs to be brought in together so the schools have taken it
2: over basically mm-hmm. that's what they're fighting in right. the state right now about right. is trying to keep it out of the schools but that's in my opinion it's because the church has dropped the law in so right. many ways I mean I know I raised a son and a daughter and I'm telling you right. there's still a double standard <laughs> sure. in many ways and that's hard to explain to kids yeah. but yeah, the schools
1: have had to have done it, and not in the right way. That's the sad part, you know. Well, oh, to answer, important. just because you said BBS, BBS is only up through just completed sixth grade, and we have so many just kind of coming in. So you, we have one main theme we go with, what, go with that. So we don't really touch on that subject because it's not really in the theme that we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, kind of what you said, there is a difference. In hearing it in your household, yeah. regardless of sometimes in the household, even if, even a Christian household, even a household that is daily in the Word with your children, it's still his mom and dad. It's different when they get to hear it from church, youth group, or small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, that type of thing, maybe a camp when you are in smaller groups, smaller things. Those it does reinforce a little bit, like oh, it's not just. Mom and Dad being preached, you know that it does make a difference when you've got reinforced from all areas. Mm-hmm. And the world nowadays think. has lost that because it's really. so worldly, and, yeah, <laughs> As it, it, opposed to hearing it from yeah. the kids in school, because we right. think of like sixth grade is young, but um, right. our girls right. go to the middle school here, and the things that they come back and like yeah. we've always been yeah. t- we've told them early so that we can cut that off, so they don't get bad food from like their friends. Right. But the things that they come home and tell us that they throw on the bus or in class. But even in school, they have to get
2: parental consent to do it in the classroom. It, we it, would have to do that. Yeah, you and know, that's okay. one of the things we're from, yeah. from students. other students. Oh, sure, I know. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> saying <laughs> the school does it formally with parental consent. You can
1: yeah.
2: opt yeah. out. But we well, am just going here in the bathroom. Well,
1: there used to be the promise. What
3: was the? Back. 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 The true love of True love of I'll say this. I'll say this. These things are related with what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now soon because a lot of pastors are just are terrified to take a small group of kids and have an adult leader in there talking about this particular issue because you have one kid that that walks away with something completely different than the rest and what do you got and so let me encourage you I think I think it needs to be both and right like I think I think we need to encourage cultures cultures in the home that aren't you know your your friends what they say are equal to what I say, and, and they're another point of view. And simultaneously have a relationship in, uh, that's that's built on uh, Christ in such a way where our kids don't feel like, well, it's just my parents saying that, right? Yeah. And, and I feel like we can frame the conversation in a way that makes it feel like we're just lecturing our kids over and over with, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I think this this is where these things go hand in hand. Is if we portray even in the home. As sex is a as a good thing right. like as a beautiful thing that God created it was his idea and it was created to be enjoyed and yeah. even the things that you're experiencing right now are desires that aren't bad desires at right. the core right. but they need to be enjoyed within the way that God has defined for us to enjoy them. and I feel like that wasn't my culture growing up and I had yeah. two parents that were apt to talk about anything, anything. with me and yet it was still, right, and it <laughs> was still want to talk about This is something we don't want to really talk about in this particular way or let's throw a couple jokes in there and then you know um, it's off the rails and so um, I, I think those two things are not opposite one another. I think they got to be brought in and I think uh, un- it's unfortunate that we we feel like we're in this area right now where you know if we were to do a, a True Love weights conference and have a bunch of small groups in there, We we want parents to to lead it (laughs) to be in there with the kids to to, to protect both um, them and us as well
1: well I think too it's important that when we talk about this with our children we don't make it a taboo subject like Cody was saying the taboo subject we need to make is sex outside of marriage that is taboo that is not Right. right you know to teach, first comes love, then
0: comes man. Yeah. <laughs> and don't, don't that. That's right. Well, I think in, in creating that environment where they can they can come to you and, and just and talk about anything. You know. I mean. Right. Absolutely. Because I. I that's that's not common, right? And kids can smell the, the fear My, from miles away. <laughs> yeah, right? Just,
2: we can talk all we want, but social media uh, controls everything. Right. And it's so hard to sit down and talk to a kid and explain this when they get on Facebook or they watch TV and they see all this stuff that's going on on Facebook. Right. But You know, all right. these people that are idols. Right. Like they're out doing what they want to do, and they're just sitting here and that i got to do this, 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 mm-hmm. and this.
0: Which, well, is, which is, I yeah. will, I will say this though. Like, uh, the, the, the thing that social media can't do, and there's, there's actually like, stats that are coming out that are in, break, that are really showing this, is that you, you don't. People say like, oh, I feel so supported because we're most, more, more often than not, social media is an echo chamber, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I can gather to myself a whole slew of people that, that will. Oh man, that's exactly right. Yeah, good for you. That kind of thing, but they're not there for you when everything goes wrong right yeah. they're not there to, they're not a shoulder to cry on they're not uh, social media can't do that and and so those kinds of relationships where i am truly known like you are in your family and yet also the opportunity to be truly completely loved social media can't give us that even relationships with friends can't give us that and so i think there is we lean into that as I think the scriptures encourage us to do, to, we lean into that relationship, and we set. Uh, I mean, wherever your relationship with your kids is at this point, you can start right then and there. Right? It's not too late. Right? You can start building. Even if your kids are grown up and out of the house, you can start seeding that relationship now. Just by asking them, "How are you? How was your day?" and then just repeat. Right. Ooh,
3: I got a better. How record. can I pray for you? Yeah, um, <laughs> you can do this thing also uh, called family worship. Boom. <laughs> Every night you worship together as a family, yep. and you can even go through the Book of Song of Solomon in an overview fashion if you want. Because now you're with, uh, and have this very thing right. taken in this class and entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Second. That's right. Awesome. So that's that. You know. Stop well, me if you heard it. Before. And
1: you can only <laughs> cover them so much because wow. I'll be honest, you can take social media, you can take every outlet there is, you can stop their TV. You visit a classroom for one day. Yeah. It's there. It's 100% it's there. You're not even going it, to, it's, boy, is it there. And so, um, especially junior high age.
2: Middle school
1: right. is the worst. Middle oh,
3: like school is, worst. Worst. Is, is the worst.
1: worst. There you go. Just, just, to just today, that, yeah. that even though the parents are going to sound
2: like prudes, and you're afraid of sounding like a prude, and you're fearful, the word of God is living, right, yeah. and will minister to your
1: children. But you have to just be honest with them and say, "Listen, I I didn't. I have been sinful in my life. I haven't always yeah. been obedient." But
2: one thing I learned tonight is that things that God created are beautiful and this is one of those things and this is how you walk it out in your life.
1: Right.
2: They they can know that you haven't always been walking in the right shoes. You right. know,
1: that yep. it's better for them to know that. And then Absolutely. while you're waiting on that to take hold chains and padlocks for it just <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> either way, at some point, regardless of how open and how whatever, well, you're still just
3: well again. But right, because you can't right. legislate hearts, yeah. but Tim yeah. is exactly right. The yes. word of God is the only thing that changes hearts. Right. right. So we, we so, yes. at, at the at the basic core, we must be implanting the word of God into our children, um, day by day, and and everything else has to supersede that. You know, you're not getting Southern Baptist
0: no I would add to that. no oh no <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there was Do you
3: have one more question I think
0: I
2: did but I'll, I'll okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. yeah. i alright I Brand, was just gonna, to kind of reiterate what Tammy was saying when you do that there will be days and years mm-hmm. where it doesn't seem like it's getting through mm-hmm. but you keep praying and you keep feeding you keep watering yeah. and God will, God will move.
0: You know? so Absolutely. Galatians 6. It's, really, it's our, our job to be obedient to what he instructs us to do as parents, and that's what it is. That's right. And it can be very discouraging, and you want to give up hope, and you don't think anything's ever going to change, and then, then it
2: does. praise God. Well, there is still hope, and I have a 12-year-old granddaughter who is still so innocent, y'all. Today at a store, I had to explain to her... That the little sales guy was flirting with her and she didn't know it. Right. And I was, you know, <laughs> you he was showing wait. his muscles. I can carry that for you. He was flexing his muscles. She was oblivious. And thank the Lord, you know, I was saying, girl. She's twelve. Yes. Ava's 12, yeah. like Ava now, is, is 12. twelve. is twelve. <laughs> make, and I tell you, <laughs> this little boy was coming on strong in the store. And i thought, I said, he went for it with me. <laughs> <laughs> it working with you honey she had no clue so there is hope there's still some innocence out there but yeah well, a lot of prayer <laughs> yeah, that's right
0: you know, and, and, and uh, I think we, we do fear as parents too the, that once that innocence is gone it's gone
2: yeah.
0: uh, and, and the more that we share with them about uh, the fact that we're the, the ways in which we are living in a Genesis 3 world the more that they're they're burdened by that but if if i've seen anything as a youth minister and now as a as a dad is that if it's done if we if we're if we're faithful in presenting the word of god to them if we're faithful and caring for them according to the scriptures and, and, and letting them know we love them and, and presenting this as, as god's word does that even as the as you as you watch the burden of the of, of knowing that we live in a sinful world settle on their shoulders it, it takes me back to what Cody said this past week. Abandon all hope in man. And I, I've gotten to watch as kids, as they're understanding that the, how dark the world is, the more they see how beautiful the light of Christ is. Amen. So don't give up. Stay the course. And love Christ and love his people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for the Song of Solomon, uh, book that we tend to avoid because, Lord, it's uncomfortable. Um, and yet, Lord, we see from your word how beautiful it is, how beautiful uh, sex and the marriage relationship is because it was created by you. It's was created good to display your glory to all of creation. And so, Lord, would you uh, help us Would you help us to consider and to read and to study all of the counsel of God's word and to declare all of the counsel of God's word to each other, to our children, to our community, to the ends of the earth. God, that you would have the glory and the honor in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name.